So here we go. This is part one of my series, Read the Red. What are you laughing about? No, that was intro. That was the... Yeah, see how, see how we're listening to messages. And um, what we're going to go through is, I guess what this is going to look like is we're going to go, this is going to be the longest amount of verses that we'll cover in this series. We're going to cover three verses tonight. Next week, we're going to cover one, um, just because I want to drill these home. Very, very important. I feel like everybody, non-believer or believer, needs to understand these, frankly, um, because I think, yes, my, obviously, I'm going to talk about how this is um, leading into a life looking like Jesus and hoping to proclaim Jesus, but hey, let's do it, okay? So... Five, Matthew, if you want to, turn to Matthew 5. I'm going to read it to you anyway, so you frankly don't even need to read it or turn there, but if you want to lay your eyes on it, put your eyeballs on the page. What was it? Matthew 5. But Matthew 5 through Matthew 7 is titled the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? Have you guys heard of this before? The Sermon on the Mount? Maybe? Maybe? Some, sermon, some pastors call it yeah. the sermon all about. Yes. I like that one more. The sermon all about. Isn't that punny? Not yet, because you don't understand what we're talking about yet. That's fine. <clears throat> Jesus, uh, so Sermon on the Mount. Why? Because it was a sermon on a mountain. There you go. Deep stuff to start off. I know. A sermon on a mountain is called a sermon on the mount. Okay? There's nothing profound about the name. It's actually really lame. The name is, not the sermon. Okay? But Jesus, um, yeah, yeah. All of this in, in these two chapters, five or three chapters, five, six, and seven, are life-changing things that Jesus said. Okay, at the end of the day, if it's in red, it's got to be important. Why? Because the Messiah of the universe said it. Okay, uh, he knows what he's talking about, which we'll talk about, right? Um, but this is this is fascinating. All of these things that we're going to cover in these however many weeks this turns into um, is all about Jesus's attitude towards the law, not like the law law like don't kill somebody but like the law um his attitude and his opinions of your status his attitude and opinion towards your rank and towards your money towards your money he covers all of these things and then ties a bow on it and tells you what is truly important in life okay Yes, I understand that there's a lot of things going on in, in life, and especially your life, but he is mapping out in these three chapters what we need to prioritize and what is important and what is not. What you will see, what you won't see. 
what you strive for and what you shouldn't strive for. Uh, so if you're ever like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, it's be probably because you haven't read this before. Okay, this is the roadmap. And I say that loosely because the whole Bible is supposed to be the roadmap. Um, but maybe if we're having a hard time reading the whole Bible, maybe we could just stick on these like three chapters for a little bit. Okay? Okay? Yes. This Sermon on the, on the Mount will challenge every single ounce of your being. There's no page that is going to be left unturned in your life that Jesus isn't going to address in all of these topics that we're going to cover. Um, is, this a, is this a way of setting up, hey, I need you here every single week? No, it's fine. If you don't want to come another week, it's great. That's why I put the podcast out there, okay? That's fine. Cool? So this will challenge every single ounce of your being. Every single week will challenge every single ounce of your being. And then you get to hear a sermon that I put together based on Jesus' sermon to then challenge that challenge. Yeah, didn't land. Okay. Um, So Jesus, this is going to be rough tonight. Woo! Uh, Jesus is calling them back to remember what the prophets taught and believed. That's what these three chapters are all about, is that is Jesus saying, remember. If you ever are confused of what Jesus is doing, he is usually saying, remember. Okay? Whether it's the transfiguration, right? That whole story. That whole purpose of that was for Jesus to say, remember. Right? Do you understand what I mean by that? Yes. Remember the prophetic. That's everything Jesus is doing. Why? Because he's the the fulfillment of the prophetic, okay? Why would you have prophetic if nobody was going to fulfill it, right? That's called not prophetic, (laughs) okay? That's called nothing. It's called just words, right? Um, I've received a a quote-unquote prophetic word over my life once, and it was just words that encouraged me. It had no meaning over my entire life. It wasn't prophetic. They should have called it an encouragement. You understand what I mean, right? A prophetic word reminds you of what you are destined to do. Yes? Oh, good. Okay? So what I want you to write down first and what I want you to remember first is heartfelt obedience is more valuable than legalistic observers. Heartfelt obedience is more valuable than legalistic observers. A lot of our frustrations come from legalistic observers. A lot of people's outlook on Christianity is from what? Legalistic observers, correct? Where they know all the right answers, but they don't do shit about it, okay? They just are like, oh, cool, And then I kick them in the face and I do the stuff. Yes? Does this make sense? That's what you're supposed to do. Say, oh, you legalistic observer, I'm a heartfelt obediencer. Yes? That's what I want you to be. Right? That's who Jesus wants you to be. I want you to understand that Jesus knew what he was doing. Yes, we will see and I will set the scene of of who Jesus is talking to on this Sermon on the Mount. But at the end of the day, Jesus knew that... It was going to end up in this book. And he knew that a lot of people would read it. 
It would probably be close to a bestseller. Um, <laughs> get it? <sighs> no signed copies. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so Jesus is always going to be cutting to the core of the motive of why somebody does something, right? If I am a legalistic observer, I know all the right things, but that's actually a motivation so that I know all the right things. So people look at me like, ooh, cool. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. All right. <laughs> but if your motivation is to do something so that you gain something, you're doing it wrong. Especially when it comes to Jesus. Yes? I don't follow Jesus so that I can fill in the blank. I follow Jesus because he's the Messiah of the universe. Yes? Even if I didn't gain anything, I still follow the Messiah of the universe because he's worth it. Not because he gives me heaven. Right? It's a bonus. Don't get me wrong. It's a very, very good bonus. But it's not my sole motivation. Do you understand what I'm talking about tonight? Yes? Yes. yes. Is your motive to do something so, so you gain something, or do you do something out of a heartfelt admiration? Right? Who's been in a relationship before? Even if it's been a while, Blake. Who's been in a relationship before? A lot of people, yeah? Great. Even if it's a friend. Yes? If you are a friend with somebody because they have a boat, <laughs> if you're into that, right, just go with me. If you're, you're, okay, here's you now. You love boats, okay? Boats, 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 okay? Um, anybody get that reference? No? How about your mother? It's good. No? All right. I'll edit that out. Uh, so, you love boats, and this friend has a really BA boat, and you're like, oh, that, yeah, I'm trying to be a little bit. I try to be politically correct every once in a while. Yeah, a badass boat. So you love boats, and that you're this person has a badass boat. Okay, so you are like, oh, cool! I am going to be friends with this person so I can ride their boat, right? It's really sick and twisted. What if you're the friend who has the badass boat and then that person says, hey, I really love boats. I'd like to ride your boat, right? Boats, 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 boats. right? <laughs> Shoot, man. I, this doesn't even have anything to do with the message tonight. It's so awesome. We're on track. We're going to just crush it tonight. We're going to cover some topics tonight and we're going to cover some good things and it's all going to be truth and you'll know it because it'll be like, oh, dang. I don't really like you, Lex. But it'll be like it'll be all right because it's like, oh, he told me the truth. All right, cool. Uh, so you get what I'm saying? You don't do something out out of a motive so I gain something, right? You do something because it makes you tick. It makes you want to do. Yes. Does this make sense? It's not that I love Madison for because she cooks me dinner. 
right? Which happens every other month that she does that, <laughs> right? I'm just joking. I love Madison because of who she is, not of what she does. We need to do the same thing with Jesus, right? Yeah? Yeah, he does great things. I'm not diminishing that at all. But what about his character? What about how much he loves you? Yeah, all of those things. What about all those things? That'll change the game a little bit. So this week, like I said, we're going to go through three verses, and I will elaborate and elaborate and elaborate till I'm blue in the face, and hopefully that you get something out of this. Lord willing, yes? So if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 5 if you're not already there. Verse 1, and I am pretty excited to talk about this tonight. All right? So if you're not excited, get excited. Okay. That didn't work either. Yay, yeah. Yay, reading. Yeah, I know. This isn't just reading, though. This is life change on paper. Ready? Verses 1 through 2. Or 1 and 2, I should just say, yeah? Here it is. Let's set the scene. Seeing the crowds, he, Jesus, went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Okay, so here's the scene. I know, this is it's crazy. Some of these, I know, we're going deep tonight. Okay, so Jesus sees a huge crowd forming, correct? So what's he do? Goes on top of a mountain. No, this is not an uh, ancient day age PA system. He doesn't go on to a mountain so that everybody can hear him. No, he goes to a mountain to seclude himself. Right? Even though all these people just came from all over the place, which we'll, we'll talk about, to hear, to be touched, to do whatever by Jesus our Messiah. Yeah? And I want you to remember that Jesus has only been in ministry for two chapters now. Okay? I want you to remember that. Jesus, this Jesus has not went to the Mount of Golgotha to get crucified. He hasn't marched to the top of a mountain with a cross on his back. He hasn't raised from the grave yet. He's not... He's not sitting in heaven at this point, right? This isn't the Jesus that we quote-unquote know. This is the Jesus that was walking on earth and who just decided, I'm going to start my ministry now. Okay? I need you to remember that. And crowds are gathering. For what? Right? For what? To hear some popular dude talk? For what? What did this guy possess that made all these crowds accumulate? And then the weirdest part is that he goes away from it to a mountain. Okay? You with me? What we have to understand is Jesus at this point is the talk of the town. Everybody's talking about Jesus, right? Everybody's talking about him. He was so loved and so hated all at the same time. 
If they if there was love and hate on a scale, they would balance out. It was that that tense, and both of those people were in this crowd. But both people needed and wanted to be around him. Very interesting, yes? Everybody wanted to see him. So you see the, set the scene here. He sees the crowds, leaves the crowds, goes to a mountain, sits down, and then the disciples come and sit around him. And then Jesus opens his mouth, which we'll talk about in that last verse that we'll read tonight. This seems a little bit weird, right? I don't know about you guys, but this doesn't make sense to me. So Jesus secludes himself, and then the disciples are like, all right, what's going on with this guy? Right? We just got all these people here. You know, we sold tickets. I'm just joking, right? No? Man, you guys are tough tonight. What we, what we need to understand is that the disciples were part of this in crowd at this point, right? Popular Jesus, disciples hanging out with the popular guy, right? Hanging out with the popular guy who every, every single person is talking about in that crowd. It's like, where is he? Where is he? Oh, that kind of looks like it. Oh, no, it's just another guy with a beard. Oh, that, right? All of these kinds of things. Then the disciples just go up and sit right next to him, okay? I don't know about you guys, but I might have walked a little bit differently as if I was walking to Jesus, right? Little bit of a different swagger walking, yes? Like, I get to go hang out with the guy that everybody wants to hang out with. You right? Mm -hmm. Knowing that people were looking. I'm gonna walk a little bit differently. I might do the Conor McGregor strut into this, you know? And I'll puff my chest out and swing my arms behind me so that everybody will see me, correct? I would feel this temptation and I would almost feel maybe important and maybe almost a little bit possessive. Like I know this guy and <laughs> you guys don't, right? Okay, so journey with me through this. Being with Jesus gave the disciples a level of prestige, right? Even in this time. Remember, he hasn't really done much. I say it loosely, okay? He hasn't really done much. Yes, I, got, I get it. He left heaven to be born. I get it, right? But he hasn't done much at this point. He was born, he learned how to be a carpenter, and now he started his ministry. Yes? Being with Jesus gave them a level of prestige and almost a level of opportunity for receiving power and money. Right? Like, oh, you are being trained by Jesus. Oh, you are being taught by Jesus. All of these things, yes? Does this make sense? Okay? So again, crowds gathered, and then Jesus gets alone with his, gets, gets alone with his friends and his disciples. Yes? He almost pulls them aside, and then all of what's to come is a warning about the temptations that come with being so closely associated with Jesus. Very interesting, yeah? Have you guys ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about 
hey, you're walking with a very high level of prestige person named Jesus Christ. You're going to be tempted in ways that many others might not be. Right? Do you understand what I'm saying here? If, you, if it's no, speak up. Because I need this to land or else the rest of my message is not going to make any sense. With you having a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's going to be things that come that maybe others won't have to deal with. Uh, which part of it? Like, if, since you're walking, like, if you know Jesus Christ, like, there there's going to be things that other people are going to deal you know, I'm sorry, but we're going to be the, the, oh yeah, I'll say it. I'll, we're going to be a target for the devil. Because the devil does not like what Jesus is doing. Correct? No, it's great. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. So he pulls them aside to warn them about the temptations to come being associated with him. So as we read through this week after week, Jesus is relaying these expectations so that they know what's going to come. And again, this is a remember moment. Where Jesus only speaks in terms of remember. There's only a few times where he says, hey, this is what is to come. Everything else is remember, remember, remember. Does this make sense? Okay. As we go through this, we'll see that we shouldn't expect fame or fortune, but expect mourning, hunger, and persecutions. Yeah? And this is not the self-inflicted mourning, hunger, and persecutions that you guys um, constantly seek out in your own lives. Um, but this is actually those that come by following Jesus, not by being a woe is me victim. Yes? I, I looked down so I wasn't making any eye contact so nobody felt attacked. Right? You feel better now. You feel good in this place. Yes? Good. Great. Okay. There may be times where Jesus does bring us popularity, though. That's very exciting. But if we don't live by these words that we're going to read, we will find ourselves using God's message only to promote ourselves and our personal interests. Yes? Maybe you've already felt that way. Not yet? Great. You will be tempted later. I hope not. Okay? Now, if you would, I just want to look at Luke's account of this real quick. Turn to Luke 6, verse 12. And if you could, keep maybe keep your thumb with where we're at so it's easier to turn back and forth. But again, I'm going to read it to you, so don't worry. Twelve through nineteen, I just want to read real quick. Okay? And I want to show you what Luke has to say about this entire situation. Here we go. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. 
Simon, who he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus, and, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas, the Aristic, whatever it is. What is it? Is Iscariot. Iscariot. I've always thought it was a Arist Aristocat or something like that. <laughs> Silly. And Judas, the son of James, and Judas is what? Iscariot? Thanks. I'm learning something too. Who became a traitor? He throws that in, yes? Great. And then it continues, verse 17. And he came down with him and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all, listen, Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. Kind of different, yeah? But the same. You guys see the differences, yes or no? Or am I just like pulling teeth today? You see the differences? Yeah? Luke is much more elaborate on what was actually happening. Matthew is just like, yeah, this is what happened. Let's get to the Beatitudes, right? Let's get to verse 3, right? Luke is like, hey, let's not miss why they were here. So now we understand why the multitudes were there, yes? Because they wanted a physical touch and a, a physical encounter with Jesus, right? Who has proven himself as healer to this point, yes? Who has proven himself to cast out demons to this point, Yes? great same capture but way more elaborate okay the crowds came for their healing and the physical touch of jesus but the apostles came to change the world like i said i want us to be world changers not consumers i want us to change the world not be a bunch of consumers. I want us to be heartfelt, working in obedience, not just observers. Does this make sense? Okay. So then verse 3, it says in Matthew 5, sorry, Matthew 5, we're back to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's amazing, yes? Yeah? Hopefully you think that's amazing. Even if you don't know what it means, it's still amazing. Why? Because it's red. Yes? This should make us pause in the glory and thank Jesus, right? Thank you, Jesus, for speaking to us. Right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I want to just reiterate this. This is absolute truth. Yes? Yes. yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure we're on the same page. Thanks, Tommy. Um, this does not bounce. This does not return to sender. This does not come void. We can take this to the bank. Right? We can take to this to the bank. 
because we know it's going to come through. This is a deposit that Jesus is willing to give us. Do you see it? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the deposit. We can literally take this check to the bank and say, all right, I backed up the truck, put it in. And they'll roll it out on dollies and they'll put it in the back of the truck and ta-da, you'll go home. Do you understand this? This isn't some like, well, I just met you. Um, and you're giving me that check? I don't know. Let's try, right? And you're like, all right, I'm sweating. Police might show up because this is a fake check. You know, you know, whatever. This is a check that will not bounce, that will not return to sender, that is not going to go void ever. That again, you can tank to the bank. Yes? All right. I'm going to keep on going. So, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yes? Would you guys just say it with me? Yeah? Just so it sticks tonight. We're going to do this every single week. You're going to remember all of these. You're going to have them memorized because I'm going to say them so many times. And you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's that one that's supposed to be attached to that one. Great. Cool. Ready? One, two, three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Incredible. Anything that says for theirs is the, king is the kingdom of heaven, I want it. I'm hungry for that dinner. Yes? yes? I want it more than anything. Right? If you don't, I'm sorry. You're living in a little bit of a delusion. Um, but we'll, we'll help you. It'll be fine. I say that loosely. It's okay. All right, whatever. So first, poor in spirit. That sounds awful. If I just take it for what it's worth, being poor in spirit... One, being poor, sucks, did that, done that, don't want to do it again, right? Being poor is no fun. I get it. And then being poor in spirit? Oh, shoot, that sounds even worse. That means I'm bankrupt in what? Holy Spirit? In my actual spirit? Oh, no. That sounds bad. Great. That's because we look at it from an earthly perspective and we don't know what we're talking about, right? What does this look like in a eternal spiritual perspective? I'm so glad you asked because that's what I'm going to be talking about the rest of the night. Okay? Being poor in spirit. I want you to turn to Mark 10, 14, or just write it down in your notes because, again, I will read it to you. Mark 10, 14 says... But Jesus saw this, and he was indignant, a.k.a. mad, and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so now what's that make us believe? Are these one and the same? Both, both. Uh, deposits are the kingdom of heaven so they make them same answer me yes or no
because same thing with children. You know, children don't inherently know everything about their father. Okay. You have to learn somewhere. And he says, let the children come to me, and if you are like this one, yes, then yours is the kingdom of heaven. These, this is what Jesus means, is Mark 10, 14, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. This is exactly what he means. So we have to look at Mark 10, 14, okay? Not thinking of yourself as the end-all, be-all of all knowledge. Yes, some of us think we're pretty smart but being so hungry to know more and more and more. Not being childish and ignorant, but being childlike and wanting to discover more. Yes? Okay. Poor in spirit is trust. Poor in spirit is dependency. Poor in spirit is faith. Yes? Not looking to myself or others to help me find answers or find advice or get advice, but looking to God Almighty. What a concept, right? I know it's super foreign to us because we just kind of go to each other and, and yeah, and it just stirs us up more. And we're like, oh my gosh, now I feel worse. Yeah, because you're not going to God Almighty. Yes? I'm sorry, that's the way it was designed to be. And I'm sorry if you think he's mute, but man, he talks to me a lot, so I don't know what you're doing wrong, right? Let's, let's tune our ears to God Almighty, yes? yes? Because when things come our way, we need to know what he thinks of it, not what so-and-so thinks of it. I don't care what so-and-so thinks of it. Yes? No matter how wise and how aged and or whatever, or how well they are with their words, I don't care. All I care about is what God has to say about the situation. Yes? Okay, we'll get there. That's fine. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed is better translated into these two words. Happy or fortunate. Kind of makes it a little bit more fun, yes? yes? This is awesome. Now Jesus is saying this because like I said in the in my freaking epic intro, he's reminding them of the prophecy. Yes, of the prophetic. So what I need you to do is turn to the prophetic Isaiah 57:15. Write it down, because I know you study your notes all week long. I'm going to keep on saying that until somebody doesn't laugh. Doesn't. Isaiah, you're good. Isaiah 57, 15. Here's the reminder. You ready? If you're not, I'm going to read it. So this is Isaiah talking first. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. And then here's where the prophecy begins, right here. I dwell in the high and holy place, 
and also with him who, who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to receive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Okay? So this is what Jesus is reminding them of. Yes? Good. You can trust me. Again, I have no interest of lying to you. So this is Isaiah capturing what the Father and Jesus are saying what is to come. Okay? So God is saying, I dwell in heaven and also with Jesus. And in order to revive your spirit and revive your heart, this is incredible. Jesus has to come. So not only is Jesus just proving himself of who he is, but he's also saying, hey, remember the contrite and lowly spirit. The contrite and lowly spirit with poor in spirit. Makes sense. Are you tracking with me at all? Yeah. Or are you just shaking your head because you can't wait to be done? What is contrite? Great question. Anybody know what contrite means? Repentance, yes? Yep. Make sense? I'll talk about it more. Don't worry. Well, hey, it's going to be lovely. You'll wait. Just wait. Hold your shorts, Tommy. So God is saying, I dwell in heaven, and also does Jesus. Jesus is now coming to earth in order to revive and revive your spirits and your hearts. Okay? So that's the surface level. Do you see what's happening here? Poor in spirit is maybe better translated into do, into I only do what the Father does and I only say what the Father speaks. Remember last week? If you were here last week, if you weren't, podcasts will get uploaded at some point, right? But this is what it means. I only do what the Father does and only say what the Father speaks. He who, uh, what does that note mean? I don't know. So when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, he's saying fortunate and happy are the ones who do what the Father does and say what the Father speaks. That's what the, that's what the LT translation says. That's the Lex Martin translation. Okay. So this is Jesus reminding them of the prophetic that they already believe. Yes? Yes. Okay. This high and holy God came down to our level to save us because it is impossible for us to go up to his level to save ourselves. Does that make sense? That's what this is talking about. I cannot save myself. From what? Doesn't matter. I can't. But the one who can has already come and died for me so that I can now go to heaven. Yes? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Correct? That's what he's saying? Yes. We're reading the whole verse tonight. Right? Do you see all the beauty in this? So this clashing world value... Um, 
here is leaving behind your pride and your personal independence and being childlike. Being poor in spirit means you're dependent on God Almighty. And the epic reward is the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Right? Yes. Does this make sense? Yes. Now I want you to turn to James 4. And this is where we'll wrap up. James 4, verse 7, and we'll read just to 10. Okay? This is how I answer the how. How in the world am I supposed to do this? Great. Thank you so much, James, for capturing this. Um, this is how. Ready? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. <laughs> 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. But I thought Psalm says he will turn my mourning into joy. What's he talking about here? I'm glad that you asked, but we'll get to it in a second. So here's your list on how the hell do I do this? How do I become poor in spirit? How do I do what the Father does, speak what the Father speaks? How do I do it? Here it is. Here's your list. If you're a list person, write it down. Here you go. Here's the keys to the kingdom. Literally. First one, found in verse 7. Submit to God. Yield to his authority, his will, and commit your life to him and his control. And then be willing to follow him. Right? We can do all of the others, but not be willing to follow him, and we're still bankrupt. All right? We have to do all of them. Submit to God. I'm st and, like, let me just say it this way. This will be the easiest decision you could ever make. Submit to God. Fully. Not half-assed like you've seen represented before. Fully. Yes? Cool. The second one, also found in verse 7, resist the devil. Don't allow the devil to tempt and entice you. Right? How does this come? Because he shows you uh, the desires of your flesh. Yes? You will gratify your flesh. What will it lead you to? Not much. I'm sorry it won't. I mean, I tried. It didn't lead me to much. I caved to the devil every single day for 17 years. And it didn't lead me to anything but despair. Yes? Some of you guys have the same story. Okay? Or some of you guys are living in that. 
but we won't talk about that tonight. That'll make anybody feel uncomfortable. Okay, third one. Cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. Found in verse 8, yes? What does this mean? Cleanse your hand, clean your hands? What do you do with your hands? Oh, you do things with your hands, yes? Great, that's why you need to wash them. Correct? I know that's super basic. But what this actually means is when I actually commit a sin, I need to go wash what committed the sin. Does that make sense? Right? I need to purify it. Correct? So be cleansed from sin, replacing your desires to sin with the desires to bring God's glory and bring purity into your hearts. Yes? Cool. Here's the, here's the fun one. Number, what, four. Yeah, here's four. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let me finish. All right. Be <laughs> <laughs> that would be epic if I just stopped. Hey, could you get my charger? Right above you. Okay. Be miserable mourn and weep what's this talking about in verse 9 in sincere sorrow of your bullcrap sin let me finish just write it down <laughs> trust me uh, just unplug that and plug it into there no the other one It's over there. Okay, everybody write it down. Be miserable and mourn and weep in a sincere sorrow of your sins. What's this mean? Express your deep, heartfelt sorrow for committing those sins. This is not a call for you to wallow. This is not a call for you to say, because ah! that's... Thanks for laughing, Kim. I appreciate it. Right? It's not a call to do that BS. It's a call to say, Lord, I freaking blew it. I don't ever want to do it again. Does this make sense? No? Okay. Like, this is so important. Some of you guys are really good at mourning, weeping, and being sad about the wrong things. No more. I'm done with it. I speak for myself when I say this. Don't come to me. Because guess what I'm going to say? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then you're going to be like, I feel worse. And then you're going to hate me. And then you'll go to Madison. And then she'll be like, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And you'll be like, oh, you just delivered that so much better than Lex did. <laughs> Even though her eyes are popping out of her head. Right? This is the way it goes. Guys, I can't urge you in this enough. If you are laughing. Not right now. If <laughs> It's okay to laugh now. 
If you are giggling and laughing and being happy in your sin, this is what he's talking about. Don't do that. Lord, I hope that you would take that joy away from me. If you are gratified in your sin, you should be praying right now, Lord, take away that gratification of that sin. And if I do it again, Lord, I pray that you would lead me into sorrow. Never thought of that before? Probably not. Probably just too cozy with it. You're probably snuggling up with it in bed every night, yeah? Say, oh, baby, you little spoon and me big spoon. Yeah? Snuggling up with your freaking sin. Right? That's what you're doing. That's what I've done. No, I'm not just talking about sex tonight. All right? I'm talking about all the other things that you're doing. All the other things that I'm doing. If they're leading to joy in my life, or happiness in my life, or laughter in my life, I'm doing this thing wrong. I'm doing it wrong. And you can't just... That's why repentance is so huge, guys. That's why that contrite spirit is so, so huge. If I don't have a contrite spirit, like, all right, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm covered by grace. Now I'm going to go do it again. Oh, Lord, sorry, I'm covered by grace. Your grace abounds. Okay, I'm going to... No, you sound like a freaking idiot. And yes, I've said it to myself. So that's why I'm saying it to you. All right? We have to be miserable, mournful, and weepful when we sin. Right? We have to. Or else we're missing the point. If it doesn't feel like anything, oh, let's talk about the callous nature of that. Right? Let's talk about Ephesians 4 where we're just turned into being past feeling. Or it's just like, oh yeah, I sinned, didn't feel it. Ignorance is bliss. No, go get your freaking, what's this one called? Manicure? Pedicure? Go get it. Rip those calluses off. Go get a Holy Spirit manicure. Is the hands? Holy Spirit manicure, thank you. I don't know. I've never had one. Thought about it. Sounds nice. Blake? Blake's had one. Yeah, all right. So do you get the point? I'll probably come back to that at the end just to make sure I drilled it home. But the last one is, humble yourselves in the presence of God, and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves in the presence of God, and he will lift you up. Literally, keys to the kingdom. Right? Oh, how? Because I told you how to be poor in the spirit. So, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Being poor in spirit is a character trait of following Jesus, not something that I do. It's actually something that flows out of my veins. 
not something that I go out of my way to do as a checking the box kind of thing. If you do that, it'll only get you so far and then you'll be all weepy and sad, not over your sin, but over your life. I'm sorry, I cannot check off I'm poor in spirit today. No, it's actually who I am. Am I poor in spirit? Am I doing what the Father does and saying what the Father speaks? Who's that sound like? Jesus. Do you understand that the rest of this entire Sermon on the Mount, this read the red, is all saying, is all Jesus saying, be like me? Is that egotistical of him? Yeah, it is. Why? Because he's God Almighty. <laughs> right? I think he's got privilege. Yes? I think he's allowed. I think he's allowed to boast. Why? Because he died on the cross for us, for me. So, yes, can he say, hey, look at me, do what I do, say how I speak? Yeah? Yes, yes he can. If you have a problem with that, bummer. It's the way it is. So, did you get the list? Submit to God, resist the devil, cleanse your hands and purify your hearts, <laughs> be miserable and mourn and weep in sincere sorrow of your sin. <laughs> And humble yourselves in the presence of God. And he will lift you up. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not will be. Is. That reality starts the moment you do it. So that lowly and contrite spirit. Whoa had a whole another level of this yes that is the prophetic jesus is saying remember this guys i left the throne so that i could exemplify this lowly and contrite spirit so then you could jesus left the throne to exemplify so that we could right it would really be weird if there was examples of math problems but there was no solutions to them right wouldn't that drive you nuts engineers you'd be like what the heck why is this in front of me at this point then right no he says hey i showed you an example now you need to do it right this is the way it goes anybody learned how to do something Great, somebody exemplified that for you and then you tried to do it. Did it sound good the first time? Probably not. But you continued to try and try and try until you were better than that person. Sorry, this doesn't work that way because you can't be better than Jesus, but I hope you get my point. Yes. Right? Yes. I think this is so important, guys. Why? One, because Jesus said it. Two, because... We need to live by this a little bit more. Make sense? Yes. And again, the reward is the kingdom of heaven. Pretty great reward. Huh? Yeah, I think I'd take it. And again, this is truth. This doesn't come back void, right? The freaking 
Dunbar armored trucks back up and deposit this. Yeah? Whatever. That's all I got. So, I'm just going to pray and then we'll, we'll close. Is that cool? Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you showed us how to do this, that you didn't leave any page unturned. And Lord, I, I pray for every single heart in this place that you, would, that you would put an urgency on this message tonight. That, Lord, we'd submit to you, and through that, we would resist the devil. Through that, we would cleanse our hands and purify our hearts. Through that, we would be drawn in a deep sorrow for committing sins and finally humbling ourselves in, in you and before you, Lord. Jesus, thank you for giving us the keys to the kingdom. For exemplifying what it looks like to be resurrected and go back to heaven and go to heaven. Lord, I pray the same thing over myself and to everybody in this room. And that, Lord, there would just be an urgency placed on this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Lord, I pray that you would just release a mantle over every single person's life. That we would only do what you do and say what you say. Nothing more, nothing less, just precision and exact. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we all said, Amen. Amen.